This show is about nothing and everything at the same time. We are a diverse group with our own ideas and experiences, which in no way is meant to represent an absolute truth. We know nothing. The three of us have our own biases, experiences, and are just looking to pursue deeper understanding. We're bound to make mistakes in our pursuit of shared wisdom. You're invited to learn along with us. This week, we are going to delve into the world of K-pop. Um, I believe the reason why we're going into this is uh, new. Don't you have some people in your family that are big K-pop fans? <laughs> yes, uh, uh, my my entire family is uh, huge K-pop fans. Uh, more specifically, they're uh, they're BTS fans. Um, but I think they 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 do have like a well ranged. Um, they like a lot of different stuff, but I think their main thing is they they like BTS. I feel like BTS just kind of came up overnight. Like one day I turned on the TV and they were on SNL. But like, how long have they been into BTS? Uh, you know, I can't really recall how long they've been. I th- it's, I'm guessing it's been a couple of years. Um, I know they've been to two concerts and I think they've only done like two tours in the United States. Um, I think they've been to the concerts a few times. And I like, I don't know. How, I, I seem like these guys have an album almost every every few months so, so I, I don't know how many uh I, I think they've only did a tour in the u.s like twice i think and i think they've went both times wow that's impressive i guess so yeah spence do you have anyone in your life that's a k-pop fan well i mean in, in my dj world in my dj in my dj life i i was just looking actually to see when i first added in in um in apple music when i first added any bts songs and it was uh january 27 2018 so it was probably for a like high school winter formal and it was the steve aoki remix of mic drop i think that popular djs or producers pull in and create something new from what they're already doing well it's crazy because they really debuted pretty much like 2013 so, I mean, that's like five years of experiencing and forming and, and learning and growing as a group. So one thing to know about, you know, Korean culture is that music is a huge, huge way of life for them. Um, they love listening to it. They have a lot of different TV shows that are, you know, basically focused on variety music. And so... You know, kind of like back in the day when you would have um, performances from like Elvis and the Beatles on TV. Yeah, like American well, Bandstand. Yeah, exactly. So they have a lot of that. And it's it's a national pastime to listen to music, to watch these shows. Um, you know, one of the most popular carry, uh popular activities is to go out and sing karaoke. So music is something that is deeply ingrained in their culture. And so that's part of the reason why, you know, K-pop and these bands are just so big because it is a huge way of life to them. And that's kind of the reason why they're called idols, other than the fact that, you know, they're seen as being kind of perfect. They are also, you know, an ideal that people try to strive for. Um, And so with K-pop starting in 1992, um, it's, I guess you could say is fairly new. Um, But yeah, like I said before, it has heavy influences from R&B. Um, and in fact, actually, even though that's the start date for K-pop, its influences or the foundation for it 
goes all the way back to the 50s and 60s when uh, the U.S. was in Korea um, with their army. And so what would happen is they would have Americans there um, in Korea bringing along their American music and culture. And it basically opened a doorway to the Korean population. It wasn't exactly popular, but it wasn't unpopular. And so by the time the 70s hit, most people in Korea were at least familiar with US music. Um, and that helped lay down the foundation that would allow you know that performance in 1992 to become acceptable. Yeah, it's like the, the so it's the kind of the blending of cultures, um, kind of a mixing, the mixing of the sounds, the mixing of the um, the way it was like the melodies and everything, and then and then putting it into their culture and kind of blending it up. Uh, I think that's just like uh, yeah, super cool because that's like human nature, kind of like it's like oh, I've never heard that before, and then kind of incorporate into uh, somebody that's doing music, and then adding it to what they do, you know. That's uh, it's exciting. I think that's exactly what happened with, uh, you know, the, during like a World War Two or World War One when they have like that. You have all those uh, different soldiers bringing their music over, and then not only did it probably affect Korea, but it also affected um, the UK. It affected like uh, Russia, and then uh, mixing all, all the different uh, music um, kind of inspired a whole a whole generation of different artists and different types of music as well. Yeah, definitely. And it's really interesting looking over the history of how, you know, how Korean music got to where it is today. Um, I mean, from the U.S. occupation in the 60s to um, even the, the MTV revolution. So uh, one of the major production companies uh, in South Korea, SM Entertainment, was founded by a man uh, Lee Suman, who actually studied um, in the United States when he was a grad student. I don't think he actually was in the U.S. for school, but he did spend some time in the U.S. Uh, he was in Southern California when he was introduced to MTV. So he, he witnessed the MTV revolution, and I think that gave him a lot of ideas. So then when he came back to South Korea, he incorporated some of those ideas um, into, you know, what he did with SM Entertainment. Uh, and maybe that might be where some of the ideas for the variety shows came out from, um, as well as, you know, like ideas for the music videos. Because when I see K-pop music videos, like it does remind me of the music videos that I used to see on like TRL. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, a lot of that. Especially because like a lot of them remind, remind me of... Um... Because uh, like my family shows me a lot of them, uh, and I had to I had to get to the point where I was like trying to look at it from a like a very like I did I had to just I had to start looking at these with curiosity to why it was why this was a thing right because at first mm -hmm. my natural my natural thing was like this is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen like why why is this even a thing right um, because I don't understand it so I had to kind of like approach it with curiosity to see what it was and then the production's really well but they do remind me a lot of like NSYNC's uh, videos when they were doing the whole doll thing you know remember that the way they, they come out of those doll boxes back oh yeah for up. bye 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 yeah yeah so it's kind of a lot of that production kind of went into um, that and then you look and then you even look further back when you're looking at um 
uh, Bobby Brown and them doing the dance routines and then also looking the same. And then you can go backwards further than that and look at a lot of the, like the Supremes. And then you look at like, uh, Motown. The, yeah, you look at Motown, you look at the, you look at all the, the bands that were from back then, the Whispers, all these other guys that were actually doing that kind of stuff. And then of course the Jackson five, right? So you're looking at a lot of these different boy bands that ended up being, um, or bands in general that kind of accumulated and then changed as the times changed. But the the same the same thing the dancing the routines the the whole uh, the the spectacle it was all there right so then uh, when they took it they just took it to a whole nother level. Well, a lot of it is when you have one person that's really dynamic, right? It's easy, like James Brown, right? Oh yeah. Like when you're, yeah. as you're as you're talking, I'm thinking like musical excellence. The the way that he held his band to a high expectation, each instrumentalist. Um, and then you have these other individuals who may not have the overall talent that like a James Brown or like a, a solo artist would. So they like uh, producers and, 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 and executives decide, oh, hey, like, let's pair these people together. And Tal, you were talking about why, I mean, they have such large groups, right? They have people that, oh, these people rap or these people um, may be more of like a dancer in the group. And when they are doing different things that is their time to shine and highlight what they do for the overall group yeah it would be like tlc right so you're looking at like how left that would come out and do the do the rapping then you'd have yeah. um you know and then you have uh t-boz and they'd all dance together in unison and um there's a lot of uh, that stuff that kind of like they would pull up and give everybody their spot even like when you had drew hill with uh Cisco, who obviously was a star because he made like a spectacle of himself, right? But then all the other guys would come out and do other little things in order to kind of get their spotlight in what they do best, you know? Yeah, and I mean, there's some groups. I mean, you look at what NSYNC and you you get Justin Timberlake on the on the back end, right? right. And and nobody else really um, was able to go solo. And maybe he was he would have, but maybe that propelled him into a way that it went. But getting back to K-pop. Well, yeah, but, then, but I think that's the thing, right? You look at these bands and you look at the ones that are end up being the stars and the ones that break out into doing solo thing. It could be, it could be obviously just uh, uh, confidence or or just like being somebody being in the ear that they can go on their own. All these other things that kind of like so you don't know what any of these boys, especially especially in BTS, like which one is going to actually leave and become his own thing, right? So you're looking at a lot of the same thing. Like I, for me, for me personally, and this is not to be like mean or anything. I just, I can't, I don't know which one is a star. Right. Cause I think they're yeah. so, um, <laughs> I don't know which one, which one is the most popular. I don't know anything about it. Obviously I'm not in it, so I don't know, but, but there's like, there's certain things when you're looking at Mike and the Jackson five, you just look at Mike and you're like, well, yeah, that one's the, that's the one, right? If you look at, you look at NSYNC, you're looking at them, you look at all Justin Timberlake, that's the one. Or like the Nick Carter guy in um, the Backstreet Boys, he's the one. And then, and Beyonce. And then like, you know, you can kind of tell yeah. which one is the star in these. Well, artists. Janet, I mean, Janet in their own right, right? Right, <laughs> right, right. So, so. Uh, yeah, but, I mean, Janet came to be because she wasn't allowed to be with the rest of the Jackson 5. She was almost a yeah. solo act to be, like, she was almost destined to be a solo act because she was kind of not in there, you know? Yeah. Um, and going back to what you were saying, New, uh, technically there is a leader to BTS, uh, RM. He is actually the only English-speaking member okay. of BTS. Oh, okay. Oh, you know the thing is, I've heard him. He's like he actually, uh, you know, like the rapping one, right? 
he's actually yeah. he sounds actually really i've heard his stuff it does sound really 90s you know his like his rapping and then the, his his voice is really um unique for um rapping as well i don't know what he's rapping about but he's he's obviously talented <laughs> right so <laughs> he's like he's super talented like i he sound like the the way it flows and everything it's actually it, it does sound really really well done and obviously um he did a lot of studying of like the past 90s rappers and stuff like that yeah other than him the only other person i know is uh jungkook and the only reason why is because he's showing up in so many internet memes right now why um, well, <laughs> I don't know why, but he just keeps showing up. Um, like, I, don't really, know I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> because people really like him, I guess. Okay. But he he shows up a lot um, when the K-pop stands. So that's what you call really, really like fanatic K-pop fans. Um, I, I think actually the term now is just evolving to refer to all K-pop fan, fans. But they basically took over some of the hashtags for white out i think it was like white out wednesday and white lives matter so they flooded those hashtags at like such an extreme pace full of just korean music videos and memes that whenever you would look for that hashtag you would see nothing but various like k-pop videos and one of them was just a lot of them was just a lot of jungkook Oh, okay. Well, no, but that that's 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 phenomenal that you can have such a huge fan base uh, alone, and then be able to kind of like uh, control uh, like control something that is obviously negative, and then turning it into something more positive, and then having that kind of uh, that kind of that kind of like fan base. That's got to be a kind of a really really cool thing to be able to have. Yeah, I mean, and, and they're doing good things, but also is kind of terrifying just how how they can mobilize like this. And it's not like you had one person saying like, hey, everyone do this. They kind of just did it that's, on their own. Yeah, so like that's that's so interesting because you have to look at that. If they're like, there's no organizational structure, it just becomes something of like one of them doing it and they all just fall in the line and do it, right? Um, yeah. and then, uh, like, and then I think they all have like little, like little faction groups. So one does it, the other one jumps on and does it. And then they all like spread it within their networks. And, um, yeah, I think, I think that's phenomenal, but then obviously that's a lot of power. Right? <laughs> 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 well, let's hope they continue to use their power for good. <laughs> all, all power corrupts, right? Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, and then kind of going back to what we were talking about earlier about how, you know, K-pop music reminds us so much of the 90s and like, you know, boy bands back in the day. Um, one thing that's really interesting, uh, this is from a Rolling Stone article, is that a lot of U.S. R&B writers are actually going to Korea to write songs for K-pop artists or even going and um, running kind of music writing boot camps to teach how to write R&B music. Uh, part of the reason why is because writers, you know, from that were big in the 90s, they're kind of unhappy with writing music here in the US right now. Here we have uh, a lot of music that has been taken over heavily by rap. And so you don't have bridges anymore. You don't have a lot of complex music. Um, but in Korea, you know, they love it. And so one example is that, according to the article, you know, the U.S. likes simple, repetitive melodies. 
the average American song has four to five melodies, whereas the K-pop song has eight to 10. And so they're going over there because they have a lot of freedom, a lot of opportunity to really release their creative juices. And so you have people like Teddy Riley, who is working with Girl Generation. You have Harvey Mason Jr., who previously worked with Western stars like Mario, Tony Braxton, and Justin Timberlake, and is now working with K-pop stars such as Boa, Shiny, and EXO. You have a lot of top names. Um, even some of the production companies that are still working with American artists today. Uh, one production company, it said they worked on Bruno Mars's 24 Karat Gold. Oh, yeah, I like that album. Yeah, I liked it too. <laughs> and of course, I also liked that it was very heavy on its 90s-ness. Yeah, um, yeah. They also have been working in Korea as well. Yeah, I, I think that and I think that's not only just like brilliant from, um, from you know, kind of like, uh, like getting your creativity out in a way that you know how to do it and you're the best at what you're doing based on the 90s, but the 90s is no longer like a thing here. Now you've got these other things happening. And then in order to kind of keep that alive, you're taking it to a place that actually appreciates it. And it obviously does something great with it, right? So, um, and then able to kind of get it out there. Because it does, like you said, like, um, there, was, there was a lot of similarities when I first heard it. I was like, dude, this this sounds like 90s music, even though, like, I, I didn't know it. But it did sound like it, right? So it sounded like a lot of 90s music. So, um, like, knowing that Teddy Riley, which is, like, one of the creator of New Jack Swing genre, right? Uh, also work with Michael Jackson and all this other stuff, like one of the most brilliant, brilliant producers um, out there, especially um, back in the day, uh, be doing that stuff. And then it has a similarity in the sound. Then, the, then you know why it works, right? Because he kind of did so much stuff here and that he's doing there and it's totally working with everything they're doing there. Uh, I think it's a, I think it's brilliant because it gives them another career, right? Because these guys used to be in the spotlight. And now they're not. Now they're like just in the background and they're doing it for a whole nother generation of um, children coming up, teenagers, all that other stuff. Yeah. And I will say, so this is also from the article. Um, I just want to read a quote. So Claude Kelly, he helped write for Bruno Mars and Tamia. Um, he has a quote in here about, you know, his appreciation for K-pop. And he wrote, everyone is stealing from R&B. Not everyone is giving credit to it. I'm actually happy that the K-pop scene is so unapologetic about giving props to 90s R&B for its influence, much more than our American pop does, much more than American hip hop does, much more than American country music does. And so one thing that was noted in the article was just that, you know, we might hear songs that remind us of 90s R&B popping up in current mainstream pop music by American artists, but those songs are currently, for the most part, being written by white songwriters. And so um, one thing that he was saying is just like, you know, they not only are they, you know, recognizing R&B, but they're turning to the original, you know, creators. One of the band members of BTS is actually like, a, he said he learned English from where? I'm watching <laughs> like friends. No, that's like super nineties. Like the whole, you know, the thing is, like I remember, <laughs> I remember um, them showing me these guys, right? And I was like, they're all dressed like Chandler Bing. And not, I was like, not only that, but their hair is like Chandler Bing. I was like, they all look like Chandler Bing, and they, they I was like, I was like, what is going on? <laughs> I was like, I was so. Uh, 
But then when you say that, I was like, are they like just dressing like the characters of Friends? Like all like the big oversized cardigans, the really baggy button up shirts, and then the the parted hairstyle, right? So um, I, I I thought they looked super nineties when you first seen them, you know? Maybe I don't know if it has anything to do with the you know when Amer- popular American like sitcoms and shows right. reach Asia. But I will say, growing up. You know, my parents listen obviously to a lot of Vietnamese music, and I always swore that Vietnamese music was always like a decade or two behind. And so I would hear a lot of covers of American music, but they were covers of songs that came out like two decades ago. And I don't know if it was just some sort of copyright thing, or if it's just like they just literally discovered that right, right, that right. moment. I think, well, I think there's a lot. I think obviously there's going to be a lot of that. Um... You know, because they like it doesn't either like it's over there, but it doesn't gain cra- traction for uh, X amount of time. You know, we got th- you got to think. I yeah. mean, the internet is probably just like expanded how music and how like culture is shared, right? And so, what in '95, probably when kind of internet started bustling, it still took a little while, and then you get hit the 2000s, and that's when K-pop. Isn't that when K-pop kind of just started taking off, Tao, or was it before that? It started in 1992. Was it like super popular over like there and that, like in the eastern part of the world, and then didn't get popular until here, until, until a different time? Well, I mean, United States, I, like, I know we haven't probably touched on it yet, and because, but yeah, once, once Psy came onto the scene, and like with Gangnam Style, like everybody was doing that dance. Everybody was watching that YouTube video. Everybody like it just became a sensation that opened up the door for anyone else that was behind him that was Korean. Yeah. Well, especially because like you, you probably had to play that every wedding you ever worked. No, I mean, not every, but it's, and, and then it's like, it's kind of like it's in some ways it's an obnoxious song. So you can't really play it at a wedding. Right. Right. But. But I mean, there was times when people wanted it, yeah, right? Or yeah. I'm doing I'm doing a certain type of event. I mean, I even I mean, I didn't do like the dance or anything, but I liked it. And I actually liked some other songs on that, like that album. I bought that whole album, right? Like, um, no, I like I was, liked the dance. I thought it was cool. Like I have the video, I'm watching the video. I thought it was so fun. Well, it's epic. <laughs> yeah, it was like super fun, like how it was done. <laughs> and then the guy was so like doesn't look like a guy that should be dancing like that. Yeah, he's dancing like that. And then you're like, there was just something fun about it, right? Um, I remember yeah. watching that video for the first time, like. Dude, this is crazy. Like, this is like crazy. <laughs> and you're just like, it's kind of fun what they're doing in the parking lot there. It's really fun, you know? So, um, yeah, I could see why that kind of flew up into a thing and then kind of just kicked the door open. Yeah. Yeah. Which takes me to one thing that I've been thinking about. And um, just with music in general, there's a lot of, they, they go for producers and, and just the music industry. Like there's a thing called sticky, right? Like uh, if a song is sticky, that's what they want. Like the stickier it is, the more popular it ten- tends to be. And you think of a song like Hey Yeah by Outkast. Initially, like people were like, oh, yeah, we don't really like this song. And it'd be on the radio and people would change their radio station because it came on. Right. Um, how they know that, I don't know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right. But. But I'm I'm like listening to them talk about this and and ultimately like Gundam Style is a, I would say it's a sticky song. It's a song that you hear and it's catchy and um, it, it it just it evolved music there and then again 
Um, Steve Aoki's done stuff. Chainsmokers has done stuff with BTS. Uh, Halsey had a really popular song with them, uh, Boy Boy With Love, last year that was probably one of the top K-pop songs. Um, but yeah, the, it's, it's interesting that kind of it was around. I mean, there, there's music everywhere that's around, right? There's probably like Austro- Australian pop music. Um, but they don't really it's it's it hasn't blown up to the extent that bts and and all these other groups have yeah not yeah i mean that sort of music i usually equate to like musical stockholm syndrome like the more you listen to it the 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 more you listen the more you start to get used to it and you find yourself like actually wanting to to listen well, to yeah, it. I think like when um, you and you're that, right. when you hear Justin's when when Justin did like uh um bringing sexy back I think like everybody was like I don't know about this song, right? <laughs> so <laughs> like I like you hear it on the radio it gets debuted and you're like this is not like the last album at all, right? Cuz then you had like Senorita on the last album. Well, uh, I feel like Timberland Timberland produced that album, yeah, I feel like. Yeah. But it depends on the producer, right? right? Like th- that's a huge influence. But and then what it blew the... up, dude. Like that, yeah. everybody was oh, yeah. playing that song. Like at first, nobody liked it. Like they're like, dude, this is t- too far crazy, right? And then then it just blew up, and that was like the the anthem of the whole the whole year, you know. So uh, yeah, and I think like a lot of these like super popular songs start off like that. Like don't think they're they're not gonna be anything, and they end up being like everything, you know, for that that entire year. Yeah, definitely. Um, and to just go back to, you know, what Spence was saying. So you're right. It did for us, at least here in America, it got really popular because of Psy. Um, when Psy, you know, took over YouTube, it opened the door for a lot of other K-pop artists. Um, around that time, music videos for other K-pop artists, uh, their viewership tripled because of the popularity of Gangnam Style. Um, And then I think what that led to was the eventual rise of BTS. So, you know, Psy, there was a little question of, you know, is this kind of just a novelty? Is this a one-time thing? And then with the rival BTS, it looks like K-pop is here to stay. Um, But that's just us. Uh, During my research, I saw a lot of different articles about K-pop in, you know, in, the Czech Republic in Latin America. Apparently it's really big in the Latin America. I've seen um, research articles about K-pop in Austria, Australia. Um, but there is has actually been kind of like a few waves of Korean culture popularity that are actually called, um, let me see where it is in my notes. I believe it's, it's just called Korean wave. Uh, and I don't have an exact date of the first one, but uh, there is a rather um, major wave that came to Japan. In 2002, there was a Korean drama called Winter Sonata, and that brought a huge wave of population or po- popularity to Korean culture and music to Japan. Uh, and I just wanted to note that because even I have heard of Winter Sonata. Uh, when I was in high school, I was super into anime and also Japanese dramas. Um, and Winter Sonata was like one of the few that wasn't a Japanese drama that was on my radar because everyone kept talking about it. Yeah, I, I've never heard of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't take a, a 
you kind of don't take um i don't take you as a person who would be really into <laughs> the equivalent of like soap operas yeah. i you know I, I like my stories i watch a lot of stories um you know watch my shows uh, yeah i'm not i'm not um i'm not familiar with that so you're saying that happened in 2002 that was 2002 okay. yeah um, and so, like I said, it's really popular uh, all across the world. And one of the things that was noted in uh, my research is that, you know, American music is actually very popular across the world, but American ideals sometimes can be a little too much. The like overly sexual lyrics in our music might be something that isn't really approved uh to be listened to in other countries, especially in more conservative countries. And so what the thing that K-pop does that American music doesn't do is that it has, you know, the sound of American music, but it doesn't have, you know, the overt sexual lyrics to it. And so it's easier for them to welcome K-pop music than it is to welcome American music. And so it feels that it fills that niche um, about that people want from American music. Yeah, and then it also can be like marketed to the younger generations too, because it's okay to listen to, because like the lyrics are very um, PG, you know? So it makes it look, because yeah. uh, like the the little one, she like loves the the these, these bands, because I, th I think they kind of gravitate towards her because they dance, they have a lot of fun, they're doing like, there's a lot of really, really bold colors. It's, uh, it's all like, it's kind of like reminds me of, um, those Nickelodeon shows back in the nineties, you know, that were just really, really bright. And um, and then people would really, really be into them, especially the younger audience. New, you had mentioned that you feel like they are churning out music constantly, right? Yes, so I've heard today, <laughs> <laughs> I heard today that they have a new single coming out this month, right? And I was like, didn't they just have an album out? Like, we're talking about BTS, right? So, like, I'm, I get updated yeah. on um, BTS stuff constantly um, uh, for for <laughs> whether I want to or not, right? So, I get updated on everything. And, like, so, therefore, I know they have a single coming out. And I'm like, didn't they just have an album that they haven't even toured for yet because of COVID? <laughs> like, they, like, you know, because they were supposed to tour for the last album and i think they're like uh, my family had concert tickets for may um and obviously all that got canceled right and then they were promoting their last album so now they're having another one uh and so yeah i think they turn out music um especially i think for i think that's important for pop music right i think if you're somebody else i don't think you have like certain genres aside from pop they they don't have to do that but i think when you're a pop artist i think you're uh, it's pretty pretty much standard that you have to turn out music faster. Um, but here in America, what is a year or maybe a year or two uh, for most popular American artists, but these guys are putting out like an album almost every six months, it seems like. Yeah. I mean, I know that like Taylor Swift, it's usually a year you know, or two, two yeah, years yeah. or so. Yeah. And part of the reason, I mean, I do like Taylor Swift, everybody likes but Taylor I also Swift. know because everybody likes Taylor Swift. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone loves her, but Part of the reason why I know this is because there was this whole uh, San Francisco Giants even year Taylor Swift album magic that was happening. And so not only was it, you know, a superstition that the Giants would win every even year, um, but it also had to be an even year where Taylor Swift released an album. <laughs>
Did you hear that, Spence? Is that correct? I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't volunteer too much. I just well, that, when, that chain broke. So yeah, when an artist pops off, that's when I just, I that's when I'm noticing. Because, yeah, because everybody wants them. But yeah, other than otherwise, I'm like, uh, there's some, like if the music that I listen to, I'm paying attention to, then yeah. But otherwise, for the most part, the hard part about being a DJ is like you don't really. I don't know for the most part like i can't really like listen to all the music that i want to all the time right like i i need to hear things that are new that are different so that maybe like if i can find a place for it it works and actually like talking k-pop there it's becoming more and more popular but it's like some of the songs are like really mellow right and 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 uh and vocal like high vocal input and it's like uh like where am i supposed to put this in a high school dance yeah right slow and dance so, yeah slow dance only yeah but even all slow dance. All slow even dance. then it's i don't know the it's funny what it i mean people don't understand <laughs> understand <laughs> i'm catering to who what can i play that's going to get the most people engaged and it's definitely not k-pop um but there are like people that are like avid like they'll write it on the on the re request sheet They'll request it before the dance on my request sheets. Um, and then, like, during the dance, they're like, can we get this song? Can we get this song? Can we get this song? <laughs> uh, yeah. Funny story on that. There was one, I mean, not K-pop related, but there was a, I was at a prom and this girl goes, um, can I get more twerking music? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, like, I'm, I'm already playing some requests. I'll get to, I'll get to you. And they're like. They're like, fuck, the, fuck this music. Play, play some twerking music. And I'm like, uh, well, see, the problem is, they said fuck your music, and I can't just have everybody saying like, oh, it's a battle, it's a battle. I, I well, they didn't, right? I was just, I was just like on on the dime. I was just like, I gotta just create a scenario where this girl gets off my case, um, and just you should yeah, you should, just, you should have like did the thing where you said, fine, you you get all your crew, you go that side, I'll get their crew. And we'll put them on this side, and we'll you do, we'll, a, dance we'll do a dance off. We're dancing it off, and whoever that's, wins gets that's to have their brilliant. song. Like that, I would just like I would just <laughs> transition between both their songs, and whoever has the best dancing gets to have their song. That's the how. That's just how this is going down. Like, and then that's how I would ha handle all that because they love competition, right? So that's what would be, and it'd be funny. So I would <laughs> do that next time. Oh, yeah. This might be the ultimate goal of K-pop. Not only are you bringing back 90s music, but now you're bringing back dance 90s dance you know, So, like, I was going to talk on that, right? I wanted to, like, dude, these guys are not only, like, not only are they, like, they're taking over pop music, but, dude, like, these guys are, like, some of the best dancers I've ever seen. Like, especially in coordination and with it being, like, as how many they got on there and how many they can keep saying unison with everything. It's crazy of how much work they put into all this stuff, right? Um, in comparison to like most of the stuff that, we, and then they're all like these old school, like Michael Jackson, Insane, all these other dance moves that like everybody did from like uh, back in the day, and then they're incorporating those into these giant productions. It's crazy. You have not only just the music, but the dancing and the entertainment, and and, and uh, it's crazy to me the production and how much work they put in. It's uh, it's nuts. And you're saying like Tao, you told me that these most of these these bands they're like in some kind of boot camp before they actually become a thing. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, I mean, I mentioned SM Entertainment. So the whole idea is, as I mentioned before, you know, like music is a huge way of life, a huge part of their culture. And so what happens is, you know, becoming a Korean idol is actually one of the number one jobs that every Korean person wants to have. It's the ideal. And so what happens is you have parents who will invest hundreds of dollars, maybe even thousands to sign them up for courses to train them that will one day maybe get them through the uh, the interview process to then go into one of the formal boot camps. Um, so, and these are happening all over the world, not just in South Korea, but I also found articles of, you know, would-be K-pop artists who were training in Toronto um, that were hoping to go through this application process. Um, and what happens is you can have maybe thousands of people going in to interview um, where they're dancing, they're being judged on their looks, they're being judged on their fashion sense, on their singing abilities. And they'll go through maybe about 600 people in five hours and weed them out. And only a handful of them will go through and continue on to do formal training with uh, an, an entertainment company. From there, they live in dorms, they have strict diet, they have strict training schedules, they minimize their contact with friends and families, um, and then they, they train on their appearance, they train on you know, what they should or shouldn't do on social media, and that's where the bands start to form. So, you know, um, BTS got, they debuted in, what was it, 2013, but they formed in 2010. So it was at one of these, uh, I guess you could say, like camps or schools where BTS got together and then they trained with each other extensively during that time. And it's really interesting because the relationship between fans and K-pop idols are a little different because some of these fans form at the same time of the formation of these bands. They find out about these bands, they follow them and watch them progress. And it creates this really you know, um, intimate relationship because you're watching this group form together and you're rooting for them. You're seeing their highs and their lows. Um, they're really active on social media. I mean, Korea is one of the most technologically advanced countries out there and they are on social media constantly. So you have all these behind the scenes looks and you're developing these relationships with K-pop idols and you, you grow this attachment with them. And, you know, New, you mentioned that you feel like they're churning out music all the time. And the reason for that is typically the a K-pop star or band become is only relevant for about five to seven years. And so they have to churn out a lot of music and promote it a lot so that they continue to be relevant to the masses. And they also have to do a lot because during that strict training, um, it's estimated that it can be for five years of training, it can cost anywhere from 200 to 300 million won, which converting it to US dollars is anywhere from $167,000 to $250,000. Um, and that's how much it costs to train a single K-pop star. And a lot of them and don't so really, like probably a lot of them don't like great traction like like what like uh, Spence was saying they're not like that band doesn't end up being sticky enough in order to kind of 
get out there into the world to kind of um, to get any, any kind of like a following or anything like that. So it's just uh, so you're investing in them and hoping that they turn out something to be um, like a jackpot, well, you know? We're looking at things from an international standpoint, yeah. too, right? Yeah, totally. So, um, from in a, I mean, I have no from a Korean standpoint, they probably pan out pretty well, right? Right. And 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 in kind of a Asia in general space, so that probably they're probably fine um, over there. Like they might be super popular there, but not so much over here or in other other countries, some kind of or vice versa kind of thing. Well, and that stardom yeah. is what I mean. It fuels just that that whole generational thing like going back to talking about the beatles or anybody right if they if you can cross seas and you're you're the thing you're producing the thing you are part of creating um that everybody everywhere gets it Mm -hmm. that's that's a pretty powerful platform yeah so you when we were talking about the beatles right we're talking like and then like i know there's a huge comparison to them and the beatles and then um uh, I grew up. I was a I was a huge fan of the Beatles. My mom was a fan of the Beatles. Um, so by default, I'm a fan of the Beatles. My dad was a fan of Elvis. So I kind of had like a, a two different things. It's either you, like most people were either back then were either you're you're down with Elvis or you're down with the Beatles. You can't have both, right? <laughs> so my dad was a Elvis fan. My mom was a Beatles fan. Um, so when you go like when you look at that aspect of how they're creating these these um, these super bands, right? Kind of like a like a super team. Um, back then these like, uh, when you like look at the Beatles, the Beatles weren't really created like that. And then was, so you're, are you, so would we say that creating these like camps and everything is turning out to be the best version of a band ever, or are you losing some kind of magic with the idea of these, these, these boys coming together and creating their own band, just doing it in the garage or doing it wherever, going around town to town, like, like sleeping on trains and buses in order to do these little shows the green traction and do everything that way versus doing it this way like doing it on your own dime and doing it like going through that whole journey by yourself like they did back in the day or like I mean, going you're talking like the, the difference between like queen and like right. something else right like, like queen that... or like looking at the beatles the beatles were discovered in like this uh little little spot um, doing their own thing. They were doing kind of like a rock and roll type thing. They were smoking, they were drinking while they were playing and all this stuff. Then Brian Epstein sees them in there and then basically essentially turns them into what we know as the Beatles, right? The, uni- the uniform, the hair, everything being kind of like very PC. They t- so they like what they were discovered as is not what they ended up being, right? So, um, so like I, what I, my comparison is like trying to see like is there some magic lost in the fact that you're doing this on your own versus kind of being smashed together into a, this kind of like a training camp. I mean maybe right, but it's hard because that's kind of the world we live in. Yeah, now, now right? it's like, like like yeah, yeah. It's it's trying to generate like create these machines that generate these groups that generate like fun, like money right? right instead of this experience where i mean like you look at you look at queen you look at the beatles like they are making music for the simple fact of making music right like i mean i I don't know like i don't have i mean you know what queen has created right and then watching like a movie like bohemian rhapsody which who knows how accurate it is or whatever but it's like you have a group of people that came together and each one of them contributed greatly to that group right right and actually um yeah like when they try to go out on their own, it didn't work out well. 
right and then like and that's like i, I think you know that's then when we get to like what we talked we were talking about with tao like uh, one of them becomes a star right and then he starts like doing the same thing like where you're like you're just like oh i'm gonna i can do this on my own i don't need anybody we've seen every boy band have somebody like with the ego that thinks they can go on their own either they're prettiest or they sing the best or they dance the best it doesn't matter what they, they get that confidence to think that they can do it without without everybody else um i i don't know i was always kind of like i was kind of just always kind of like uh thought there was like there's something some magic lost and kind of just having a bunch of executives with uh, a year for music smashing together a band, right? Instead of like coming together and then kind of going through. I like that's just a personal thing. Obviously, it works either way, but I well, just don't, you know, so um, I don't know. That's just uh, my thoughts on it. Well, like American Idol or things right. like shows, shows like that have created this idea that the producer uh, is kind of the end, like can create something out of nothing, right? Yeah. Um, can can elevate the normal human who has the talent who doesn't have the the network or the know how to um, use those spaces that they know right they uh, I mean and that's the the challenging part but then you have somebody yeah like Justin Bieber who uh, right like he he's a pop star he's a pop icon I'd say right like right um, from Canada he just like continue over and over again. Uh, was continuing to just make his own music and produce it via YouTube. And then finally, he's like became this this really popular um, heartthrob, right? Yeah, like, yeah. With, you like, well, Usher, like signing him and then kind of putting him on a platform of like putting exactly. putting all that money into him to do these things. And I think like and then essentially it's the same with the Beatles, right? You have Brian Epstein who owned a, a music, uh, his family owned a record store. He really didn't know much about like anything besides from owning a record store, right? So then he sees them, and then he kind of talks to these guys about, "Hey, you want to? You know, I can, I can, I think I can put you guys on a better path than this." And then they were like, "Are oh, you going to sign us?" <laughs> and he's like, "Yeah, I'll sign." I'll, well, yeah, I, I think, right? And he's like, "Yeah, well, you got paper? I'll sign something." Like they didn't know what they were doing, right? They didn't know anything about what was going on and brian didn't know anything about what was going on like so the thing is they kind of figured it out together and and essentially i what were what like what tao's saying about how these pop bands go through like this this process of not only just dancing um etiquette social etiquette um you know like um like uh, pr all these other like how to speak to people how to talk to people all these different things. And you got like, I think Brian essentially did the same thing to the Beatles before like going to be, because I think he molded them into what they, what they essentially became by like saying like, Oh, we're going to dress all like this. You're going to only sing songs like this. Right. And I think it's, I guess it's essentially the same thing without the, without the major like huge um, funding and a whole camp of like putting them in a, um, camp that has the dance halls and all the special all the equipment you'll ever need you know kind of thing so um yeah so it's basically like what i'm thinking about is like i'm thinking about the magic i'm talking about is like and this is just a question for me right you're looking if you watch rocky and you watch rocky and i love rocky so if you watch rocky and you see that how like what happened to Dolph? Uh, what happened to Dolph Lundgren when he went to the specialized camp with all the specialized equipment, and then Rocky went and worked out in the in the in the mountains. <laughs> and you kind of see like there's there's a difference between like 
using what you have because you have nothing and then giving everything and having every opportunity. Right. And I'm just saying, is there like a little bit of magic lost in the fact that you're given every opportunity to become the greatest band ever with everything you want, every equipment piece you have, like they have everything versus you guys that are just making it in their, in their, in their bathroom with the closet, you know, kind of thing. And I'm just saying, is there, there's a difference between that, and I, I was just, I'm, I'm just wondering if there's like some magic lost in that. Like that's all I'm saying, and I don't know. Like obviously, I don't it's know. It's tough, right? Right, Be- yeah. because you have. I mean, like, uh, I mean, we will probably transition to to talking about like, um, how like some of some of their upbringings. Like some of them probably aren't don't come from like wealthy upbringings. But you look at like, um, I don't know. Like I just keep thinking about Dr. Dre and N.W.A. Right. None of those. None of those guys had anything and they just they created i mean dr dre is one of the most successful um people and then he leveraged everything that he had on eminem right right and eminem had nothing right and so you have these like like rap monsters that that have come that have have come up right yeah transcend like it all right because what they have is so different Right. Well, and then it's also the idea they ain't got nothing to lose. I think that's the most important thing to understand. Well, is like, I mean, when when Dr. Dre signed Eminem, he had everything. Oh yeah, lose. but then M on the other hand had nothing to lose, right? Well, so, like, I mean, you know, he didn't. He didn't. Yeah. He, he. I mean, D12 was a thing, right? In Detroit. So in Detroit, I mean, this is the same thing. But like, you go local. Like Eminem's known in Detroit. Um, but then he he becomes global. Yeah. After this, I mean, yeah. produce and 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 it wouldn't have been the same without being produced by Dr. Dre. Right. I mean, like the stuff that they right. came up with is transcendent. Well, because even like M said, like he was given the opportunity, he walks in there like kind of like a, with a clown outfit on, all you wearing yellow plaid. <laughs> thing. Okay. He walks into this place, but he already like his mindset going into that was like he had to have he had to have like bars for every single thing Dre threw at him, right? He had to yeah. be able to prove that he could do what they thought he could do and he was able to do it right and then um and then you then also then you're looking at the marketing of it right dre dre hearing somebody like that thinking he was a thinking he was a african-american rapper and then realizing he was a white dude that like that is like one of those things that from a marketing standpoint was just a brilliant move right um so you're looking at like a lot of those things taking place where dre like dre being more like interested probably when he found out he was white because so, of how good he was and how he sounded right yeah and there's a lot of different um and because it's essentially it's essentially the same thing with uh if you look at m being like um looked at it's the same thing as elvis right elvis like kind of taking um what like um uh what's his name damn it uh, johnny be good right so you're looking yeah. at like essentially elvis hearing that stuff and then taking it to another place right and that's, I think that's the, the evolution of music is to say that a music is all came from one place and then mixture with a different culture that creates something new. And I think that has happened throughout history when when like you had like like you had the very folk people here in America that knew nothing and then heard some classical music, started making their own music that was folktale music. Then other people hearing that and then changing that into something else, which becomes like blues music from the plantation with blues music turns into rock and roll and then rock and roll turns into like, you know, kind of thing. Like, then it turns into pop music, pop music turns into rap music. It's just kind of like all these different like influences in the country music and all these other things that influence that create different genres of music. And I think that's the evolution of it. Right. And that's, what's beautiful about all of it, especially like you look at these kids taking 
are what like influenced us like like 90s music and essentially making something brand new out of it yeah i think it's great but um yeah but well so new i mean just just to go back to what the the main thought of all of this was which is like is there some magic loss right, from going right. through these boot camps and i think it really comes down to you know cultural differences here something like going through the voice or american idol is kind of like a novelty um the the route that you usually take to get into music is you know you form a band you find people to perform music with you go to several dive bars you build a fan base and you hope that you get discovered um but just imagine i mean i'm sure there are people in south korea that go through this as well but just imagine if the only way to make it big was american idol that there was a bunch of american idols here and that was just the normal pathway into music and then that you know the magic that you think might be missing because this is the the route that we usually take to become big to become to become musicians well that that's the route that they yeah. take that is the pathway that they have the magic comes from being one in 2000 that actually make it all the way to the end that actually become an I idol yeah. and you know like spence was saying some of them might not be rich some of them might be coming from nothing so that is kind of like the underdog story that you trained that you got recognized that you you know competed against hundreds and thousands of other people to beat the one in 2000 odds see what i want see what this is what i want that that sounds all <laughs> well and good but i want somebody to be like rejected and then destroy every single one of them is what i want <laughs> so, i want i want the one that like got in there spent a bunch of money got rejected he was so angry he came out and then he or he or she and then did the did the walkabout going to the little clubs doing all this stuff making music using like youtube and everything else and then ends up destroying every single one of them that would you, be the best thing ever the, the ed sheeran <laughs> yeah no because ed sheeran that i was gonna bring up ed sheeran because ed sheeran <laughs> essentially that's essentially what he did right he was like there's all these stories of him just like sleeping on the bus, sleeping on the train, sleeping, going like he would only have money to get to the next city and he'd have a gig there and he'd use that money to go to the next city and he, and so on and so forth. Right. Um, obviously, like we don't know if that how how true that is. He could have had some kind of financial backing from like his family or whatever else. But um, essentially, that's the story. Still, the story yeah. is that. Right. Um, yeah. That's well, it's. It's just identifying and recognizing the struggle well, it's, it's, that uh, they went through in order to get from point A to right, point B. Blues, right? And it's I think blues. for them, it's essentially the blues, right? The, the blues is like all your hardships, all your trials, everything that is difficult, and then turning that into something to like in, in a musical form. And I think that essentially, I think that's what the idea of the blues come from is like singing out your heart to these uh to the content of what you went through in order to express yourself in that kind of way and i think that like i think the blues in that journey is is going to all these things and i guess essentially is the same as going to this thing and being selected or not being selected yeah uh, well and just think about the amount of work it takes to go through the training to do all this dancing to go on these oh, strict diets <laughs> <laughs> there was actually a video of a k-pop star like a compilation of her fainting on stage 
because she's anemic and it's it's a lot of work having cameras yeah. follow you every single second and to do everything the way the um you know the your record company wants you to do things and so it's it's a hard life it's a different type of struggle but it's definitely a struggle and i think that a lot of fans just recognize that in general and that might be where the magic that you keep referring to comes from is you know they they the odds were against them and the odds for them to remain popular against them and so like like i was alluding to earlier with these fans who you know see these newly formed groups and watch them form and watch them grow and hope that they one day debut like that they become like a family they they're rooting for this underdog and so they get to watch the magic happen from essentially day one and on well they're no longer the underdog these guys are king now yeah so it's like they're no longer that um I well i mean once they form they still have to debut uh it's you know i think the number that i saw was that 20 to 30 out of a thousand that go through these camps actually debut yeah it's kind of that sucks like that's the, the odds are really against you in that kind of um that kind of situation yeah and then, but since like, how do you know? Like, I guess you have to be like this guy that's really good at understanding sound and everything in order to throw a bunch of these people together and say, "Well, you guys are a band now. Learn to get along." Like, you know, well, you got, like yeah. J I mean, J.R. Reed or Simon Cowell. Like, I mean, when mm -hmm. you look at the when you watch those shows, any of those shows, like you, you're watching them like figure out and mentally process how to put a group together right, right? and 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 what would work <laughs> Tell, like real quick so like let's talk about like really quick on like on not only that obviously the strictness of their diet strictness of like fashion uh strictness of a lot of other like probably probably on top of that like uh, appearances uh, marketing um all these different things like that they have to be like coached through on top of that, like from what I understand from your research, it says that they're pretty much like um, they're they're they can't be in with any kind of like drama, like socially, like normal human drama, like bad relationships, um, like children, like any kind of like uh, any kind of situation that kind of makes them to be more human. Uh, that kind of stuff is like not allowed. It's from like, and that, that that's just saying it from that is really saying it in a negative way. But like, essentially, you you're trying like you understand what I'm saying, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so from what I've seen, like for example, BTS, um, there are sometimes like in group fighting, and it's the job of you know RM to mitigate that to talk them through it. Um, definitely, you know, you still have to be human. You, they show emotion. They 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 show their struggles on camera. Um, and so, the main thing though is there's a certain level I think of availability that they need to have. So one of the more important aspects is they're not allowed to have uh, romantic relationships that are you know known to everyone else. And I think part of it is they need to be available to the fans um, one they need to be focused on the band the band comes first and they need to be focused on their music but you know once you bring in these other attachments i think it separates them from their fans who are following them who are developing these relationships with them i think spence once told us that he had a he has a student who 
believes that she is in a relationship with one of the members of BTS. No, I mean, more so. Uh, <laughs> or wishes I mean, she, she just, was. She, it was. It wasn't a student, but yeah, just like a former person. <laughs> that I, I mean, like a long time ago, I used to coach. She, yeah, woman. I mean, yeah, she is, and um, so she, like a topa. She's just, She's just she's just always <laughs> posting and like oh my this is my baby right like oh, this is my like yeah, this yeah. is my love yeah 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 like yeah. this is my yeah. this is my guy like well, and it's just like in a very like intimate like 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 I like like a person would for their significant other right 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 so so like so Tao I think like I worded that incorrectly I think like so like I think there's a good like from from like when you're if I was like in the marketing standpoint you want to look at it from a perspective yeah because like i feel here in america our pop stars american pop stars tend to their best album is not their album their best album was what they did in the news last week right so like um mm -hmm. and then i think essentially like their marketing here in america as a pop star has not been like what their music is or what they're doing it's what drama they're getting into this week Right. Like that's kind of like and yeah. essentially I think them taking that part out of it. There's something um, there's something great about that, but also some think that there's something obviously like restricting to a level of like not fair either. Right. Because how many yeah. times like these one these boys that like, came across somebody and saw somebody that they like they never forgot. Right. Like 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 and then they mm -hmm. essentially they never will ever meet again. Right. Uh, uh, yeah. like, and you're so you're looking at like the the idea of spontaneous love is completely just negated from the the contractual rules, and I think there's something, and then but when as when you come down to being a pop star, yeah, that 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 sounds awesome because therefore you're 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 relieving yourself of all drama, all kind of any kind of accusations, any kind of negative stuff, and then the the essential band is always protected, which is great, right? But but yeah. I, I think when I was saying something about not being human, I mean, like, I think there is something I, th I think there's something essentially human by making mistakes, especially when it comes to relationships, especially becoming like if you look at like Taylor Swift, she like most of her <laughs> best songs are written by terrible relationships. Right. Uh, they were obviously yeah. very public. Um, so I think that like I'm just like there's also a lot of that where you're like, how are they, how are they going to write these things if they're not allowed to have these these kind of um these kind of experiences that are actually like kind of make you understand yourself more. Look at actors. You have people like Leonardo oh, DiCaprio yeah, yeah. who is crying over the lost like yeah. love of his yeah, life, yeah. but you also see him going to private islands with models every week. <laughs> so I mean, I think it's possible for you to convince people that there's conviction behind your right, music, behind right. your so you art. Have to be the actor, on top of just being a good musician. Well, yeah, I was thinking you never go full nooligan. You yeah. can go half nooligan, <laughs> but you never go full nooligan. Yeah, yeah, you, you, you got it right. <laughs> so, no, but that that makes a lot of, that makes a lot of sense. Tell the the actor thing does make a lot. So yeah, so like not only so these guys have to be skilled in almost every situation, not just performing, not just like etiquette, also pretending. Yeah. They they do. And I, I think that they have to be human in other ways. So like when we say idol, you know, they're not they're not perfect, right? They they have what looks like really flawless skin in their music videos, but when they go and promote their music, they they are shy, they're humble, they joke around, um, they they exhibit the other 
areas of human emotion. Um, I'm trying to think back of my days of being a huge J-pop fan and the bands that I used to follow and watching them do variety shows and answering uh, random questions. And so I think that helps fill in the void. Like you're not following their drama. Um, you're just following kind of like the, it's hard to explain. <laughs> It's like seeing a really good friend of yours who's like super goofy and like does stupid things. Like you see them do those stupid things. Uh, there's a charm to it. And I think that's what K-pop stars have. They're they're immaculate on stage. They dance like, you know, yeah. what you would expect from someone who has trained for hundreds of hours every single week. Um, but then you get them on the stage and they do really goofy things and i think that's just what adds to their personality yeah they're spontaneous and then you're seeing like a, you're seeing a glimmer of who they really are instead of just like instead, yeah. instead of what they're expected to be right and i think that's the, there's something magical in that and then those are those glimpses of seeing the real person because I, th I don't think essentially anybody's going to think that who they're who they're portraying to be is obviously like they're they're holding a lot back because they have to yeah definitely um and i think i mean i read that BTS does write a lot of their music. I think kind of like, you know, pop stars here, they write some, they also get a lot of help from other people. It, it might vary from song to song. Um, and then, you know, the fact that their groups are so large also helps with the overall marketability um, and how people relate to them because you have so many people, you don't have to relate to this one individual. Like you could say like, oh, this one person's okay, but I really like this other person in the group. And if, as long as you identify with at least one of the seven, yeah. like the odds are in the band's right. favor. Well, especially like you can actually, like if, say for instance, South America, one of the band members from this particular group is really popular. And they don't understand why they just know that it is so that one takes point right in that in that essential yeah. area in order to speak to the fan base there um and I, I think there's something like i think what you mentioned to me before there's a lot of there's a lot of um great things and having a, a whole crew to look at like ha having that collaboration between the dancer the and then the singer the rapper and having that huge huge um collaboration there is going to always have somebody to have your back and i think that also like extend the band's um uh career you know kind of thing with all the different um different things that you because you're basically you're essentially gonna like one of them if you're into the band you know so like because they all have something that uniquely speaks to you but that's their personality or or um the way they sing or whatever it is you know yeah, I mean, everyone brings something different to the table, something that they're good at that, you know, other people might identify with. Um, and it's one of the things that really helps, like I said, promote the group. Yeah, I mean, it also allows them to have a greater presence because they can split up and they can do all these like random variety shows and promotions um, and bring more attention to the group overall. And then you have certain people that just kind of stand out. Um, what is it? Girl Generation had people, one person who could speak Chinese, another that could speak English, another that could speak Japanese. So not all of them, they didn't all have to learn all three languages. They just needed one that could be, you know, the person that would do all the speaking that would represent the group for a certain population. That's, uh, you know, when you saying something like that, that's interesting too. Cause like, are we looking, like I'm all looking at it from like, obviously you're saying there's a girl, there's girl bands out there too. I think I'm familiar with one. I think the little one really likes the band called, um, 
Blackpink. I, I think they're oh, yeah. yeah. So I think they're really popular. Um, because we 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 are obviously referring to a lot of BTS stuff because that's probably the most information out on them currently. Um, but there's other bands as well that are up and coming. And what you're saying is that like eventually these these bands are getting into the point where they're not even just crossing. Um, you know, obviously like one of BTS being all Korean, but now we're having other bands that have different um different backgrounds different places like americans and uh also like you're having japanese you're having uh chinese you're having all these other different like a uh, filipino indonesian having diff a bunch of different um uh people from different cultures making up bands that are essentially k-pop bands or j-pop bands or any kind of thing like that yeah i mean i saw i think a lot of them are primarily south korean but i did see i forgot what band but i did see some um mention of you know recruiting from other countries yeah so it's so essentially changing now their formula to being a little bit different because of the popularity in order to you know and i think yeah. that's going to create something also you know and that's 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 what's interesting about it. it's going to create something new because that person from a different culture is going to uh bring something more to it than they would have just being from seoul korea definitely so it'd be, it's going to be it's going to be uh, interesting interesting going forward to see what happens with um with uh, the popularity and everything else, you know, and seeing if essentially this becomes the new pop. I'm looking forward to it. I miss my, you know, my 90s music. So, <laughs> so you're like, so like, Kat, we told you you weren't supposed to like drink the Kool Aid. You were supposed to just do the research. You know what I'm saying? Just like we're supposed to stay impartial to these situations, not not become a fan. I have a friend of mine. I was going over my research with her, and she's like, "Stop it, Tao! Like, I don't need you to try to convince me to listen to this stuff." And I was like, "No," but then there's this, and there's this, and, this, this, and she's like, "All right, send me all your playlists." <laughs> yeah, like, uh, like, uh, like, uh, like uh, they were saying, they have a. Re I can get a recommendation sheet to you, so you can uh, check out the, all these other ones. I think that you'll like. Um, that's what my family's saying. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah because there's a lot of the, the, like like i said there's nothing wrong i actually kind of you listen to it and i always like uh and you'll bob your head to it because it's just it's just the rhythm and the melody of it. it's very retro uh and there's something nostalgic about it and then i think it's uh i think it's great what they've done obviously it doesn't speak to me because it's not necessarily my thing but that's the great thing about music is there's something for everyone yeah and, uh, well, and a lot of it is just really fun like um, when I studied abroad in college, we went, I, I studied in Japan for a month. Um, and one of our field trips was actually to a J-pop concert. And none of us, actually, there was a couple of people who actually spoke Japanese, but most of us had no idea what was going on. We had, we never heard the music before, but we were all trying to sing along and dance. And by the end of it, we were just covered in merchandise. We bought CDs. We were all in and just because it was so fun. It was catchy. The performance was engaging. Um, and I'm a little scared to go on YouTube because there's a few BTS documentaries and a J Park documentary. And I know that I'm probably going to end up sitting there just like being absorbed and then wondering like, oh, maybe I can join News Family to the next BTS concert. Yeah, you should, you should totally go. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah they, you'll, you'll like it. So uh, like I like as far as I know, they're a big, they're a huge thing. I've never like all I do is kind of just send them on their way. Um, so I've done a lot of donating to the the, the <laughs> to BTS's um <laughs> the, to their cause of the rise of taking over the pop music. I've done I've done my fair share of donating. So um, 
Uh, yeah, no, I think, you know, but you know, there's this one, like one interesting story I wanted to share was that I, I was in New York for uh, Comic Con in New York, um, did a show there. And uh, I was at the bar at my local, at my hotel room. And then there's a, there's a guy there just sitting there like quietly by himself. And then we just kind of like, we're drinking like by ourselves because we're staying at the hotel. And he was like a video game designer from Seoul, Korea. Right. So like he was he was a Korean guy from Seoul, Korea, and he was we started chatting and stuff like that. So, of course, I bring up like the the pop music uh, and like I was like, hey, you guys, you guys are like super taking over music, you know, and he's like, he's all, what are you talking about? And I was like, you know, the BTS stuff. He's all, oh, man, he's all, yeah, none of us like that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so I got, that could have been just a rarity that I found the one dude that hates pop music, Korean K-pop from Korea, right? <laughs> so, well, that's just everything right. for anyone, like right. Like there's people that are like, I hate country music, and yeah. I mean, like or whatever. Yeah, and they're from Nashville, right? And they hate country yeah. music, right? So he's like, well, essentially, he like we had this whole conversation, and I was like, so what do you listen to? He's all, I listen to like I listen to like um jazz music, you know, like uh, like old school. I was like. Like blues music, he's like, yeah, 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 blues music, and I was so I, I had so I had I took the, I was like, you heard of Robert Johnson, right? And he's like, no, who's Robert Johnson? So I went into my whole because I love Robert Johnson, right? So I went into my whole my whole lore on Robert Johnson, and like, and he sold his soul to the devil, and then he like at the crossroads, and then I was like, and then he gave he was given the power to play, and then he's like, then he the, the the kid looks at me, he goes like, oh man, the hair on my neck is like coming up. He's like, what is this guy's name? <laughs> so he was like, he got super excited. And I was like, there's a documentary on Netflix. It's like uh, like uh, the devil, the the blues. Uh, I wrote the Robert Johnson documentary. It was like the, the the Crossroad Blues or whatever it was on Netflix. But yeah, he was like super excited <laughs> about like learning about Robert Johnson. Because like, because and I think like essentially stuff like that about music and like like uh, like like folk tales and legends and all these things and like all the trials and stuff i think what it was what makes music uh, in the these characters like legendary right like seeing like what queen went through seeing what the beatles went through seeing what like elvis went through it's like a lot of these different things or eminem or you know, or like or looking at like bruno mars and you see that video of him like on the beach pretending to be elvis like all these things are like awesome you know or seeing like like justin bieber and youtube just like as a little kid just playing the piano you know so i think like a lot of these things are just like great and all the stories and everything that goes forward with them recommendations this week is uh for me my recommendation is actually a web comic called lore olympus it is a greek mythology themed web comic that focuses on the story of Persephone and Hades, but it's a retelling that is a little bit less about her being kidnapped and more of a consensual relationship, but it does explore themes of emotional and sexual abuse, as well as, you know, how do you um, deal with that emotionally? And I think that the writer does a phenomenal job exploring those different ideas and emotions. Uh, so that's my recommendation for this. New, what do you think? It's also kind of on the Greek mythology um, level. So I went through both of the uh, um, books. I went through, um, so I went through, like everybody is familiar with the Greek mythology and they're some of the greatest stories ever written that kind of go through every every kind of culture and they kind of change it to the thing. But like what I found is like mythos by Stephen Fry is pretty much the best thing I've ever like written or uh, ever read or even heard because he performs it in audio. 
And it's it's phenomenal because he goes through the 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 mythos being the beginning of the Greek mythology from like the the beginning of the whole cosmos and everything before Zeus before like the birth of the Titans all that stuff and then he has a secondary book that just was released right when COVID started which was Heroes which he kind of goes through Hercules and um uh, Achilles and all the and then uh, Perseus and all this other stuff and then but he performs them magnificent you know so I would highly recommend. Not only reading it, but giving a listen. Uh, you won't be disappointed. Kind of brushes you up on all your Greek mythology as well. I would recommend my buddy M. Wade on Spotify. M. Wade. M-W-A-D-E. It's kind of folky, um, but it's all stuff he's written. And then uh, he's on guitar. He did, we, I helped him produce it, the, uh, the, the uh, instrumentals. And so that was fun. But it's on there. And just give him a shout out. So, Mark Wade. Awesome. Learn from your experiences and explore beyond your boundaries. Music by Quest Eons, produced by DJ Crumb, production by 